I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. What's up? Uh, welcome back to another episode, another pod episode of, of crying. Cri- pu- oh, in- <laughs> of crying, <laughs> of public and crying. crying. I thought we were gonna do that thing where I said crying and then you said in and then I said public, but okay. that means well, I got all the good words. Girl, how did we decide that? We didn't talk about that. <laughs> okay. Ooh, look at my hair right now. Okay, go. <laughs> no. Okay. 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 Welcome to crying in public. With- I'm. Oh, you're so dumb. Okay, whatever. Crying Public Podcast with Sydney and Sarah. Thank you. Welcome. That's Sydney. I'm Sarah. I'm Sarah. I'm Sydney. That is Sydney. This is a very unchaotic intro. Pretty yes. usual. You know us. You know our thing. Absolutely. I just put on like $12 nails. The brand is Kiss. Yes. I got them at CVS and they look amazing. And I, one may or may have just not got lost up in my up butt her butt. We're literally on Zoom, and Sarah starts to pick her butt, and then raises her hand to the to the screen. And I was like, "Okay, girl, I don't want to see that." She's like, "No, look, the nail is gone." And I was like, "I also did not want to see that." <laughs> Thank you, though. I'm glad we're at that level where you can show me your your 
don't even know what you showed me. You're well, I've butt. shown you my poop before. This is nothing quite so new. Yeah. I have literally shown you my shit before. Yeah, I know she has. Yeah. Oh. I thought there was a tapeworm. I thought I was going to go all like Kim Kardashian, lose a bunch of weight. But then it was just like a stem. Do we ever tell that story? (laughs) Bro, Sarah is the most melodramatic hypochondriac (laughs) on the face of the earth. This girl thinks she has a disease every time something happens. She literally (gasps) shot out like a stick and she was like, um, Sydney, Sydney. She's like literally crying in the bathroom, screaming. And she's like, Sydney, I literally have a tapeworm. I was like, Sarah, you do not have a tapeworm. She's like, yeah, I do. It's from sushi I had yesterday. I was like, I don't think it works that fast. But okay. She takes it out of the toilet, literally. And it's like, so you have to look at it. Tell me it's a tapeworm. I was like, this is a new level to friendship that I didn't know I ever needed to be on. So I literally look at her shit and it's literally a stick. I was like, Sarah, that is not a tapeworm. That is literally a stick. So she literally goes to urgent care with her poop in a Ziploc bag to show the lady. And the lady is like, man, that's not a tapeworm. This is how fucking stupid I am. I asked the the literal doctor who went to years of med school and knows a thousand times more than I do, not just in life because I'm that dumb, but like in the field that I am literally asking her about. I was like, this is, this is the audacity I have. I showed her my poop. She was like, man, that is not a tapeworm. I go, are you sure? Did you look close enough? I said that to a doctor. What the fuck is wrong with me? Literally. Oh my God. Uh, This is a very, very exciting episode. We are going to have on a very special guest. His name is Jack Newsom. I'll give him a little intro later when we see him. But just in short, he is a singer songwriter. Mostly we're going to talk about three things. And that is inspiration like where he garners the inspiration to both write and sing and for his craft in general uh we're going to talk about pressure the pressure of the industry the pressure as covid put on all of us and navigating your way through a really tough industry but yeah no jack is so sweet we're so excited to have him on the show um make sure you listen to the interview give him a follow listen to his music follow him on tiktok instagram etc he's very very great and without further ado now here's jack Jumping right into it, we are so excited to welcome Jack Newsom on the pod. Jack is a highly accomplished singer and songwriter and record producer, and we are so excited to chat with him about his journey through music and uh, any advice he has for pursuing a career in music yourself or just following your dreams in general. So I guess the first question we have for you is what inspired you to first begin songwriting? Was it your childhood? Did you start on your own, etc.? Like, did you always want to be in music? Yeah, I definitely, I don't remember a time not wanting to be in music. My parents split when I was 11 and we didn't really like, like therapy wasn't like, I don't know. We were like all a little bit too young for therapy or to really understand what was happening. Um, but I was like being 11, you're like old enough to know that something's wrong and that things aren't supposed to be like this in theory. So like, um, a couple of years into it, I, I asked my mom for Christmas. I was like, can I get like, can I get this one little studio in a box thing? It was this thing called an M box and it was an interface, two speakers and a mic. And, um, and yeah, I was like 13 and she got it to me for me for Christmas. And, um, yeah, that, that, that was kind of it. I literally just like locked myself in my room and was just doing that all the time. That's so funny because my parents are also divorced and our high school made us do this thing called COD, aptly named Children of Divorce, where we had to like find a skill to do during PE to like channel our energy. And I wish I had a talent like singing that I could have done that. So I just sat there and like drew. 
but yeah, I wish I had that kind of outlet. Cod? That's like the video game? But we got to skip PE, so it was was a beautiful moment for me. Sydney, oh my god, that's crazy. Go Florida. Did they make you draw, like, mindful pictures, like, very calming, colorful things, or was it like... No, because I I can't draw, so I would just use glue and, like, draw pictures with it and let it dry, and I'll be like, this is my masterpiece. People get, people, like, don't know how to... They're, they're like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to make it better because I can't. Like, people just exactly. freak out and get weird. And it was like 20 kids, like half our grade. And they're all like, so we're sorry about this. We're <laughs> like, yeah, thanks. That really helps. <laughs> but speaking about getting into music, how did you know that you wanted to be in music? Was it part of your family? Was it something you grew up around or something you just found like a natural knack for? Um, my, my dad had us join like our church choir, like super young. So I remember doing that, really liking it. My uh, my mom's sister, my aunt, is super, super creative, and she ran, like, a theater company thing in our area, and so she kind of got me into theater and doing all that stuff, and I loved theater. I did theater, like, all through high school, um, and yeah, and, and then my cousins, when I was a teenager, I think they showed me Disturbia by Rihanna, and I remember, and I remember, like, that was, you know, like, those early moments where you like gain consciousness and you're like oh shit like this is like so important to me and I don't know why but this like I need this to breathe now all of a sudden like that was kind of one of the first moments where I was like yeah pop music is everything to me and I need to do this every day absolutely disturbia is (laughs) life-changing Rihanna's life-changing. She, I had that moment also, but not about music, just about Rihanna. You know? So yes, I feel you. But there was like a bunch of different, my dad played guitar um, growing up and, and he would have like, he had this band and he would play and um, I would play keys. And uh, so there was just, there was a lot of music in the house, but no one in the house took it seriously. But because there was so much of it, I kind of like, I feel like I, I thought that that was like the, the, the natural thing. I was like, well, you guys gave me all this music. So what am I supposed, what am I supposed to do? Like, um, yeah. So it was, it was always there. Bruce Springsteen grew up, like we grew up down the street from Bruce Springsteen and he was like, he was like the end all be all my parents like worshiped him. And, um, yeah, I remember just it being so deeply steeped in music, but nobody, it it was like oh that's but we don't do that like you know what I mean I love like everyone from Jersey their first personality trait is always Bruce Springsteen like I've never met someone from Jersey who doesn't love him (laughs) but speaking about theater so we go to NYU which is a really big theater school but known people that grew up in theater a lot of them decided to go another route so how did you decide that you want to do music but not necessarily that style um I don't know. It was, it was, it was a few different things. First of all, I, uh, I applied to NYU. I got waitlisted to death. Um, <laughs> That's their they, loss. They literally went like, they went like two or three months over their own deadline to get back to me on the waitlist. And I was, and they got back to me and they're like, mm. and I was like, well, I had to make a decision. <laughs> I wasn't going <laughs> to wait forever. Um, so I ended up going to Berkeley in Boston, but before then in high school, I was just writing all the time. When I was a sophomore in high school, I made my own like um, my own like album called Songs from the Garage. And I jerry-rigged my locker. So I would like, um, I made a bunch of CDs and I put it in my locker. So people, I put a pencil in the lock so people could just open it without knowing the lock combo. Um, and I remember people would just like take the CDs and stuff. Um, and I've kind of just been doing that. And then maybe a couple months after I did that, 
um, I started working with some like boy band projects in New York City. I did one in Berlin. Um, there was just, this was right after One Direction went on hiatus. So everybody and their mother was looking for the next big thing. Um, yeah, and I kind of ran the boy band circuit for like three years. As a fellow um, or former boy band aficionado, I respect it. <laughs> okay, question about the Berlin boy band though. Now I think about it, I don't really know where Berlin is or what language they speak, <laughs> but how did that barrier kind of, because I know it's like, was it an English boy band or was everyone from like different places? No, for sure. So yeah, Berlin is in Germany and they, oh, yes. they were doing, <laughs> they were doing this like international, they wanted it, they, everyone was trying to one up One Direction, which is just funny because they were so iconic and amazing. And everyone was like, well, we're going to do One Direction, but it's going to be better. And it's going to be international. There's going to be a person from every continent or whatever and literally it was like three americans and two germans basically at the end of the day it wasn't that international um and they started out with seven we had to all compete for our spots in the final five so the first two weeks were horrifying um and then yeah and then once once i was in a lot of the german kids like they would try to speak English, but at the end of the day, they would always just kind of get tired of trying and they would just go back to speaking German. So what I did was I started to learn German to make sure they weren't talking shit about me. As you should, as you should. Because <laughs> like, I got nervous. I was just like, shit, like the, the majority of this group at this point is like, and the management were all like speaking German and all this stuff. So I was like, I have to make sure I'm not like fucking up or that people aren't talking shit. So when I, there was one night when I came back to the States, um, my mom was walking past my bedroom and she said, she heard me speaking in German in my sleep. And I was like, nope, <laughs> no, nope, too far. That's an iconic fanfic origin story that like, I could see that being on a Wattpad. That's like a villain origin story for sure. Yeah. Totally. Cindy and I, after we, um, we met like freshman year of college, but then a few years later, we both realized that we both had fan fiction, like, um, what was it like, Sydney? Like stories on Wattpad or accounts on Wattpad, and we were kind of like, no way, no. <laughs> so yeah. I was a dramatic writing major at NYU, and my first writing class, I said my name, and a girl was like, "Do you have a Wattpad?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm dropping this major so quick." Goodbye. <laughs> that's my exit. And then she did drop the major. Yes, so. I did. <laughs> Holy shit, that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's a it's quite a memory. I know that you uh, participated in the you know nationally acclaimed reality series song. Songland. How was that a game changer for your career? Did you have a good time doing it? Just tell me about Songland it. Songland changed my whole life. I mean, I kind of like it's it's such a bummer that they uh, at least for now we don't know if they're being picked up for a third season. But that show, when we filmed it, it was so new that they were ramping up production. They were shooting like an episode a week, which in LA standards is like criminal. You you can you at that rate you can probably shoot at least three in a week but because they didn't know what they were doing it was a totally new concept they were like let's make the voice but for songwriters um and it had just never been done before so the fact that i got to be on a show where there was no drama there was no any of that it was literally about the music and the art everyone there was on cloud nine like even if even if you got cut super early on or whatever everyone was like could feel this magical sense. It was really like you felt like you were part of something really important. And um, yeah, and Shane, who was my mentor on the show, was the country writer 
the country right. panelist. Um, he's written songs like Body Like a Back Road and all the Casey Musgrave stuff. Like he, he kind of came out of left field for me. My, like I was more familiar with Ryan Tedder and Esther Dean's work. And when I got paired with Shane, I, it was like one of the biggest blessings in my whole life. Like he is the most genuine person if he says something to you, he means it like 100%. And we've written so many songs since the show. He signed me to my first publishing deal, which saved my life. Um, and yeah, like I've, I've had so many doors open because of the show, because of him. And um, I've had so many kids reach out and be like, hey, I saw you on Songland and you inspired me to write my first song. And I'm like, that is so cool. That's fantastic. That must be amazing to hear, you know, after all of you, you've been through that, to hear that must be kind of like an awe-inspiring moment. Yeah, because I mean, it, in times prior, you know, with gigs like the boy band stuff or when you first move out to LA, there's so much BS and there's so much... Yeah. Like, it's not, it's about how you look, not how you sound. It's about how, even on like the voice and stuff, like they'll, they'll claim that it's about one thing, but really they're picking apart your appearance and all this stuff. There was none of that on the show. It was like this little break in the clouds. And for a, a moment, it was just about the music. And that was it. And it was really special. You're so right. When that people awesome. ask me like what LA, like what the vibe is, I would say LA will humble you so quickly. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. 10 more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of smoking audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. 
I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Kind of like talking about the dichotomy between being a songwriter and a singer. Do you ever feel like they're kind of competing at times where you want to songwrite for yourself or for other people? Is there ever like a battle between kind of your inspiration or your drive towards songwriting? I mean, in my experience, pitching songs to to outside artists is always really tricky and the batting average is like slim to none. Like really, and especially now since a lot of artists would like to have back end on the song that they're releasing. So they would rather write it. So you're you're gonna have a lot more luck writing with the artist in the room. And in which case that makes it easier to give them because if they're giving input and they're like, I just went through this crazy breakup or I'm in a new relationship, you get to milk their experiences and it makes it easier for them to have the song at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, if it's a song for me, usually I can tell just based on how much of myself I'm pouring into the song. Like if it's based on my heartache or my, you know, good times, then that's, that's a totally different story because it's more me. Right. So is that kind of how you choose between how, is that kind of how you choose between the songs you write for yourself and the songs you uh, provide and write for other people, that kind of mindset? Or is there more that goes into it in a certain like way? Like, is there a certain mindset when, that you have when you're writing the song where like you totally eliminate your own experiences? Do you always kind of include them in there? Just like stuff like that. I generally will write more vague. Like I'm actually one of the, the biggest things that I've had to work on, especially since the pandemic, I've been like making it a, a habit to be more detail heavy in terms of my own experiences. Um, like I signed my first artist deal the summer of 2020. So it was like wow. in the heat of the pandemic, literally out of nowhere, um, I got picked up and uh, I was like, oh shit, I guess I got to kind of like let people know who I am a little bit more because the songs that I have out, they're like songs where I'm trying to swing for the fences and get everybody on the same page. And I'm like, well, so for the first single that I put out, which was the song called The Year the World Stood Still, it was super detail heavy. The second verse, I'm talking about my sister. Um, and it's just like, it was really, it was really cool to have, because a lot of times people don't have that opportunity to be that vulnerable or to be that open. And uh, I kind of, it, for me, it's safer to write more vague and more like, like just generalize everything. Because when you put so much of yourself into it, it eliminates the possibility of pitch. Um, but also weirdly people grab onto specifics a lot more. I've noticed like I can try to be vague, but people like the, the people like those details, which has been a really interesting thing to find. I blame TikTok because they will take a song <laughs> and find your ex, your ex's mom, your ex's sister, figure out where this happened. But speaking about being vulnerable, especially during the pandemic when there was so much emotion in everything because we're so isolated. Is it hard to be vulnerable in songs because it's no longer yours anymore? People get to hear it, understand what you're going through. Is it kind of like difficulty in that? Or has it been easier to be like, have a release during this time? I, th I mean, I think it's easier. Like the, the right now, it's basically like, I come up with a song, I'll voice memo it in like the shower or something. And mm -hmm. then I produce all my music too. So like, I'll be able to go into my studio and just like lay down a beat and some piano and stuff or I can email the track to some producers that I know and love and collaborate with them like that but there's so little in person um that that part 
goes a long way. So I just played my first show for the, like for the first time in, in a really long time. And it was really cool to get a human reaction because half the time you make the track, you put it straight up on Spotify and it's just like, who, like who cares? Not even saying that sarcastically, but asking who actually cares about this. And then you lose that face-to-face, did you like, what was your favorite? What did you vibe with? Um, so I think it, I think you can kind of just share whatever you want, um, but it's the gauging people's reactions has gotten a lot weirder. For sure. And transitioning that into live music, because I know obviously it's different songwriting in your garage than like, you know, performing on a stage, uh, of course. So. How has the pandemic kind of influenced that for you, both from the translation of your music to the audience and like performing live in general, like those opportunities? Weirdly enough, I feel like you would expect that a pandemic would make you kind of rethink everything and kind of (laughs) like make you be like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, just me and a keyboard, keep it super basic. Um, But it was weird because the second, no, the third music video, second music video, the second music video that I filmed for this last EP, I got to do full choreography with like four dancers. Um, and I was like, we can, we can do this. Like <laughs> we are allowed to do this. I grew up dancing as well. So I was like, I was like, these are pop dance records and we get to give them the treatment that I've always wanted to give a pop dance record. That's awesome. Like it, it was kind of, there was a brief period where no one was telling me no, and it was so awesome. <laughs> um, so it, yeah, in a lot of ways, converting that to the live setting, yes. I mean, Ed Sheeran kind of like changed the way everybody looks at live music because he was touring arenas as a solo one person on stage. And like now everybody in music is looking for another Ed Sheeran that they can just put on a tour bus not even in a in a van and the profit margin is so huge so it's like the business heads look at it totally differently but I don't look at it totally differently if that makes any sense do you how does uh performing live just in general compare to um recording and stuff do you like performing live do you like it better how was that experience different for you so scared of performing live (laughs) (laughs) just mostly because the the studio is like I I'm familiar with it it's like a hug. Um, you can you can make a mistake and you're forgiven. You can I can literally lay sixty verse vocals and then just choose the highlights and show it to people and be like, yeah, I sound like that after three days of editing. But I mean, things get old too. Like I I'm really looking forward to playing more shows. Um, I have some more shows coming up and they're going to be like slightly bigger productions. So I'll be able to like incorporate the dance uh, music side of things. It won't just be me on a piano or me on a vocoder. Um, It'll be, yeah, it'll be really fun. It's, it's, it's really scary. This is a very scary time to be a musician. Anyone will tell you we're all freaking the fuck out right now. Yeah. All of us. (laughs) Yeah. We, we, um, we feel what you're going through because we obviously have the podcast started during the pandemic and Sarah and I are roommates as she told you so we record all of our episodes literally in our living room in our pajamas laying on the couch and we had our first live show a couple of weeks ago and we were like oh shit 
like, we had, like, a 40-minute show. And then, like, Tim and Tim, we were like, yo, we're done. We have nothing else to yeah. say. <laughs> so I get your whole thing of, like, having to, like, do everything, like, live on the spot. It's, like, a lot of perfectionism kind of creeps in where you, like, want to be your best self, but it's hard. So how do you deal with pressure in that way, whether it's performing live or to produce music or to, like, keep music coming out, like, on a consistent basis? How does pressure play into, like, who you are and how you've navigated it? Pressure makes diamonds, man. Um, oh, that was, that was good. That was good. I know. I mean, the cool, the cool thing is, is that, like, I don't know, you hear about there are so many, especially now, every, everything's just, like, young, early success story. And it's all so triggering. Every time you open up social media, it's like, oh, Billie Eilish, you know, sweeping the Grammys at like, whatever, 16, 17, however old she was. Right. Um, and everyone just holds themselves to those like stupidly not human high standards. Um, and I think that this, there are stories like how the, you know, the Beatles played like eight kajillion shows before they started to become the Beatles as they're known. Um, and it's just, it's refreshing to hear stories like that, where, where every show you are under pressure to entertain people for your allotted time. And like, and every time you do that, just like anytime you run to get ready for a race, you will just get better. Like, that's just part of it. So I think that it's scary, but like any, anytime you have something like that, like a goal, that you have to go after. I think it's. I think it's really good. That kind of pressure is really healthy. It's scary, but it's very healthy. And speaking of um, all of these goals that you've been sharing, where do you feel that you garner the most inspiration for your craft from? Do you find it's from personal experiences, meaning like relationships and stuff, like or even other artists? Yeah, yeah. or another artist. I, I would really like to know because songwriting is obviously. I, I feel like every songwriter has their own routine and like process of getting that flow in motion so what's yours i just like to be like flypaper. i just like for things to stick to me i like to be open and listen all the time like i i want i don't know i haven't been in a relationship in like over a year at this point um not that healthy but <laughs> <laughs> but uh in in some ways it is it's like in some ways you get to like i've i've been able to you know pour a lot more of my time into what I do um also like I mean in the first couple months of that you know there's plenty of heartbreak to go off of and um so it's it's I don't know like a friend you know coming out and saying they're sober like clean and sober for however long literally Shane just went on his Instagram the other day and he posted I'm I'm a year clean and sober and he said something at the end of the reel. He was like, thank you to everyone who's like loved me through this. And I was like, oh, like shit, if that isn't a song, like, I don't know what is like, like you're, you're trying and you try your best. And it really comes down to, you know, your support system and the people who love you through the shit. And I was like, there's so many ways that someone can write this. So someone will say something and I'll whip out my notes and just write it down and I try to retain everything. <laughs> That's beautiful. I wish I could do that. <laughs> like we and Sarah, we are so short term. Like we'll say something out loud and we'll be like, wait, what did we just say? From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. 
This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Um, so in terms of inspiration, so t- two-pronged question, who's your biggest mu- musical inspiration, like when you were a kid and now, and also who's your dream collaboration? Ooh. Big questions, big questions. I have like a, a inspiration trifecta. I feel like it's Bruce Springsteen, Justin Timberlake, and Lady Gaga. I think they're kind of like my holy trinity. Um, and they're all just like dumb good live performers, multi-instrument or just instrumentalists. And they're just, there's no one like them. You know what I mean? Like they're all so unique. And I guess in terms of collaborations, I'm there's so many inspiring. It is really a good time for music. I know a lot of people who kind of say that they're not listening to anything new or they're not really into stuff. There is a lot of, if you look, there's a lot of really good stuff out there. Um, Very inspired by Lil Nas X, Casey Musgraves. I mean, Billie Billie Eilish, obviously super inspiring. Um, Yeah, I think it's it's a good time for music. There's just a lot of it. And if you pick through usually you'll be good. (laughs) I love it. Lady Gaga. She's the best. I mean, you really can't get better than her. Did you see um, Star is Born? Cried like a baby. Right. I never watched Cried like a child. The last scene, there was a man outside the movie theater when everyone was walking out. Um, He was checking on people to make sure they were okay because everyone was in the theater crying. (laughs) 
and he was just like do you need anything like do you need anything at all and I was like I'm good I'm fine. I had to leave the theater at one point I was crying so hard I feel like I was disturbing people <laughs> around me you know speaking of inspiration tell us about your most recent work Fuck it, I love you uh what is the inspiration behind that and what was the production process like including your collaboration with Chimes Shane from Songland flew me to Nashville to start kind of like talking about the idea of signing um and there was this week I literally just got chills thinking about it there was this one week where I don't know what was in the air I don't know if it was just because I was just like big-eyed and and hopeful for the first time in a really long time but there was something in the air that week and I wrote like all of my favorite songs I've ever been a part of in one week and uh Fuck It I Love You was one of them and it was originally called Say It First like you gonna make me say it first and that was the title and then I think Shane had heard it, but then maybe like a, a year ago or something, he hit me up and he was like, what's this song? Fuck it, I love you. And I was like, fuck it, I love you. I've never written that. And then I went through and I was like, do you, do you mean this one? He was like, yeah. He's like, that song is crazy. And I was like, I, I love that song. I don't really know if we have a plan for it right now. Um, and then my, my manager Ari found uh, this girl Chimes from TikTok and she was like you guys are kind of like you know similar but different right now kind of in like this really awesome like place musically and she was like she would sound nasty on that song and we sent her the stems she sent them back like the next day done like she sounded phenomenal and I was like it was awesome and props to her because the demo sounded really good too and I co-wrote it with this guy Pete and this girl Lauren and Lauren sounded amazing on it so I was like it's always a really good thing when you get the vocal back and it sounds really good yeah um, satisfying feeling yeah and what was cool is that like I said before not many artists are willing to attach themselves to something that they didn't make initially so when she did that, I was like, oh, she's like, she really fucks with the song and she really like cares and she's down to experiment and try new things. And it made the process so much fun because I was like, thank you for trusting me. This is a huge, I don't take this lightly. And I would, I mean, I know a lot of songwriters who would record other people's writing and other people's work. I don't know many artists that would do that. Um, which is funny because you think it would be the opposite, but right. like the writers are like, we're about the, the song at the end of the day. If it's a good song, I'll be a part of it. Um, but there's a lot of like pride and ego with a lot of people. And I'm really, really just excited for her and excited that we got, that we got one. <laughs> so at age 25, you've achieved and experienced so much from being in a boy man to going to Berkeley to be on a reality show. How do you decide what's next for you? I still have like so many goals set. So I think this year I've, I've, I've only recently begun to manifest. I feel like I kind of subconsciously manifested a lot. Um, but I've kind of gotten over the last couple of months, I've, I've been like, what do I really want? I've been able to like write it down. Um, and it's funny because the world just keeps getting crazier and the pandemic keeps getting crazier and all this stuff. And now like, with TikTok, everything's quantifiable. So people don't invest in you unless they see a certain number and you're just like, shit. Right. So 
there's a lot stacked against you, but there's also a lot to gain. So it's just like, as long as you keep your head down and you do the work every day, like you can't really, it'll happen basically. So I'm kind of just trying to, um, I don't want to say too much, but I have a lot kind of, a lot of rods in the fire or whatever that term is. <laughs> it's brewing is what I say. Yes. So for our listeners, because we do have a lot of our um, demographic in high school and college, still like undergrad. So if you had one piece of advice, very loaded question, but if you had one piece of advice to give to people who either want to really make it in the music industry or want to explore their artistic side in general and really don't know where to begin, uh, what is your biggest piece of advice on how to get their foot in the door and how to keep motivated? Everybody in the world, or at least like most people, are they come from a place of fear. So like I'm in the process of buying a house and wow. before before I said that to people, I was like toying with the idea and I brought it to a bunch of people and they were like, ah, like dad, dude, like it was all just like, everyone just immediately reacted with fear. And then I was kind of like, I'd been thinking about it for months and months and months. And I was like, this really cool opportunity came. And I was like, I, I think this would be a good thing for me. And like, only, you know, that even your whole team can like be on your side and still feel fear. And like, I kind of pulled the trigger on it. And then I saw everybody change. Like everyone was like, you go. Like once I like did it, but they were all the people who were just like, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, they were the ones doubting in the first place. (laughs) I was like, how are you guys going to switch up this fast? Like, so (laughs) it really, and that, that's just one example, but that happens across the board. You want to release a song. Um, like you're not, they're not going to please everybody no one is ed sheeran doesn't please everybody and he's ed sheeran so it's like it really just depends on what you want to do and that's the difference between working for someone and being your own boss in my line of work i am i am the maker of the song and in a lot of cases i am the owner and sharer of those songs there's really, I do get final say, which is so scary, but it's also so rewarding. So as long as you stick to your guns, that's kind of all you can do. Keep your eyes on the prize. Perfect. Literally. Then it's, it's, (laughs) it's hard. It's so hard. I think you answered that question beautifully. I think a lot of these uh, ambitions are totally routed away by fear. So that's inspiring to not only us, of course, but our listeners. Uh, So thank you so much for coming on. Jack, you've been an amazing guest. Uh, Make sure to go give him a follow on Instagram at Jack Newsome. He also has a YouTube. Check it out. And he also has his website, www.jacknewsomemusic.com. Thank you so much again, Jack. You guys are the best. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Sydney. This is so fun. So nice to meet you. Guys, that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. Um, Obviously, make sure to follow all of Jack's socials that I listed out a few minutes ago. And You can find us if you want to keep listening. We do a lot of these interviews, but mostly it's just Sydney and I being completely chaotic and giggly and immature (laughs) on on the daily. Uh, I, you know, I'm our biggest supporter, clearly. You can find us on Spotify, (laughs) Apple Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. And you can also find us on social media on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Crying in Public Podcast. We have a very special guest coming on soon. If you follow our Instagram, you got a little preview. So if you have questions for a professional matchmaker... 
Make sure to DM us before tomorrow morning. We love you guys. Goodbye. See you next time. Goodbye. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house. And I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.